0: All right, fire it up. Welcome everybody to Behind the Screen. Once again, I am JT Kane. I'm your host. I'm here with Matt Corey, our amazing producer, and we are um, we're going to talk to you guys. We we are your guests. We are the 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 final say the last hurrah for season one. It's like a season, season one wrap so. party. Yeah, we're not going to rap though. I'm not. I'm not doing that. What? We'll, we'll, oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how many beers I get through in this session. <laughs> There's no beers. Oh, you don't have yours? No, I have coffee and some Gatorade. Well, look at you. Who drinks beer at 4:19? Uh, me. <laughs> 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 I'm actually about a couple hours late. Um, I started to feel a little dehydrated, so I needed to yeah that's that's a good approach yeah. jt. Thank awesome. you well anyway we're we're here we're gonna talk to you guys. We just wanted to um do this last little wrap up we We did one of these before. I liked it. I thought it was great um, and I think we got a lot of good feedback on it. so we're back. just us. yeah just us. This podcast
1: is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped. So that all may read, see for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. Insight for the Blind, they're great. Can I plug them a little bit more? Yeah, please. Yeah, I just want to plug Insight because I noticed that throughout this podcast, I've been saying, you know, we have over 100 volunteers producing books and magazines for the blind, but we actually haven't had uh, volunteers in for much of the pandemic. However, two weeks ago, we welcomed our first volunteers back and we're doing very, very small recording sessions now. So uh, we are getting back to normal a little bit at Insight as well.
0: well that's awesome. But what, what, I mean, what did you guys do uh, before that? Did everybody do recordings from their homes? Oh, yeah. So huh, I'm glad you
1: asked that. It was kind of crazy. We typically, the staff, that's the one thing we don't do at Insight is narrate. The staff kind of facilitates the narrations and the reviewing and the post-production for all of the the productions that we do. Uh, but we don't read. And that's mm. o- always been the case. In order to keep everyone working during this shutdown, though, once the volunteers stopped being able to come in, we had to read. So I've been doing a little bit of narrating. My wife, Lindsay, has been doing a bunch. And then our staff, uh, Sandy, who's our kind of production manager, uh, she's also an actress.
0: To keep up with our timeline, we've all been narrating. So Insight for the Blind, explain it a little bit, because I I, I haven't really... I mean, you've told me, but...
1: Yeah. So we... Produce books and magazines for the National Library Service's Talking Books Program, and that's a, a government program that's run by the Library of Congress. So we don't just read whatever we want; we're assigned
0: oh, magazines and books. Okay, cool.
1: And that way, you know, they know that one studio in Oklahoma is doing this production, mm-hmm. and one in Florida is doing this, so they don't have to worry about repeats of right, things. Yeah. It's, it's more efficient. We do Playboy, Smithsonian, Southern Living poetry, current biography every month. And, uh, we added a magazine during the shutdown to, uh, Jack oh. and Jill for kids. Oh, cool. And we also do Humpty Dumpty.
0: And so you guys read the articles, uh-huh. read the, read the things and then, and then send them, send that back to, to Washington. Yeah. yeah.
1: They, they give it a, a good quality assurance to make sure that we didn't, uh, you know, skimp on pronunciations and yeah. things like that. Make sure that that all of the technical stuff is correct. And then they put it on what's called the BARD website, which stands for Braille and Audio Reading Downloads. Hmm. And that, that's kind of the clearinghouse for all of the material. And if you qualify for talking books, you go to that website or you go to the app and you can read whatever you want. That's very cool. How do you pick um, people
0: to, to do readings?
1: We just like, you, you'd be a great reader. You, that's really the, the only requirement is that you be a good reader, like an out loud reader. And most people that, that have done a lot of reading in their lifetime, it translates. Like you can, you can read out loud pretty well. They do kind of get picky about regionalisms. Like you can't really have that uh, like hardcore New York or Chicago accent for me it's a, i've had to kind of rein in my little southern thing that i you slip into every have. now and then.
0: Yeah, i've never really noticed anything. Well, yeah, i mean, you
1: probably do it too. It's so slight just from being in Florida, i think. Yeah. And no one at the library of congress has ever critiqued it, but i i feel it from time to time being a little bit of a drawl. But yeah, other than that, you know, you don't have to be a broadcaster or an actor, right. although that those skills definitely help.
0: You know, there's a a lot of people have a definite fear of reading out loud they they panic it's hard to do that it's, it's it's i think it's a kind of a skill you know it's a it's definitely a skill like if you think it's
1: easy you, you get handed one of these articles that has I've, a lot of tough cities or or names that are not readily available like the pronunciations for them yep and it's really really difficult but um i have great admiration for our volunteers that have been doing this all these years cuz now that we've been doing it through the summer you know i i understand the challenge of it
0: mhm truly so That's it's awesome. been good though yeah and joe you're you said your wife lindsay is an actress mm-hmm. she is and you had you have another actress that works for you guys
1: we do and we have dina who you know who's yeah. she does post production for us she hasn't read yet but dina if you're listening you may get the call,
0: so. Dean Kostich? How do you Kostic. pronounce it? Kostich, Kostic. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And who Who randomly was, not randomly, but was a, uh, a or is a, an alum of New World Symphony. That's right. Yep. It all ties together to New World Symphony. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> well, I mean. I was just a random sub. Yeah, so was I. But they got, they got cheap labor from us. Yeah. Not anymore.
1: That's true. Wait, not anymore what? Well, no, no, they gotta, they're they paying me now. Oh, oh, yeah. I was going to say, what, are the, the fellows making off with a bunch of money oh, now?
0: no way. No way. No, no, not in, nor am I. Uh, <laughs> I love New World Symphony. If you ever have a chance, if you're listening out there, you don't know who what New World Symphony is, nws.edu. And I was going to say, not to be confused with New World School of the Arts, That's which is correct. also
1: a fine organization, it is just indeed. Not, not the same one. Yeah, so we haven't talked
0: in in some time actually.
1: It's been no, a while. it's been, been a little bit cuz yeah. you know, I'm proud of us that we managed to to do our we we pl- plotted this schedule in the spring. Yeah. And the plan was to produce a podcast every 2 weeks through the holidays and then re, you know, regroup. And this was before the pandemic. Yeah. So, I'm proud of us that we actually did it and I'm more proud of us for kind of doing it early so that we weren't scrambling because I never felt stress from behind the screen.
0: I didn't either. I mean, I didn't have to worry about like all the, you know, post-production stuff.
1: Um, yeah, but typically, you know, other podcasts that I've produced, you start with the best of intentions and then <laughs> it gets to be, even once every two weeks, forget once a week is a grind, but even once every two weeks, it starts to, you know, to catch up with you and it starts to become like you're, you're ahead of the curve you're ahead of the curve and then it's the curve starts to catch you
0: right well sure i mean yeah life life happens also you know you get you got to work you got to you got to do all that stuff so i think we did a good we did a good job i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and pat ourselves on the back yeah it
1: was awesome and i i mean
0: it's a probably a good time to thank all of our guests indeed yeah i did want to yeah i wanted to to for sure do that and kind of want to just run down the the list of of our guests because I mean, I don't know, it was, it was so good to... I, mean, I think we had a really good, a nice selection of different instruments, different mm-hmm. ages, different races, you know, different mm-hmm. genders. So, yeah, we started with Charlie, Charlie Rosemarin, who was probably the youngest. Well, he's, he, he was a, he's, a, he's a New World fellow still, percussionist, um, who I thought was... He was in person. He was the, our only in-person uh, guest... Um, that I I had in in my office, um, and it was COVID had already started. It did, yeah, because this was what, um, er, like early March, early March, yeah. Uh, that w- that Charlie and I talked, so it was very cool. He was he was great, really good, good, uh, good person to be on for the first time because it was actually we would we we split it in two episodes. It was so long, yeah. He yep. had so much information, and he um, sat in
1: your office and talked to you, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a nice so he's, setup. He's, the only one that was that
0: was uh, recorded in the way that we had initially conceived. Yep. Yeah, we had all... We Matt came to New World before we even did this. I showed him around, showed him my office. Um, yeah, he took a look at it, told me what I needed to get. Um, and well, you got most of it. I yeah, got, and we set it I, up. Yeah, we set it up. It worked awesome. It was great. And then you tore it down. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> like the, the day after Charlie. Yeah. You know. <laughs> And then we had, uh, after that, uh, Lisa Dempsey-Kane, um, who happens to I don't just... Know. It wasn't Lisa.
1: She wasn't next. You're doing this off the top oh, of your she, head? Oh,
0: she... Yeah, no, it was... Sorry, it was Rebecca Oliverio was... There you go. ...after Charlie, uh, who is trumpet in Chicago Lyric. Um, and ha- probably still hasn't played a note with them, right? I doubt it, yeah. Amazing. Um, but she was also really great because she was she had just won that job, um, was a new World Symphony fellow, had just won that job and left, and then again, COVID hit. So she's been at her she was at her parents' house. I, I don't know if she's still there or not, but um, Rebecca, if you're if you're listening, uh, I hope you're doing well. Then it was Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Nathaniel Silberschlag, who Actually Nathaniel's probably the youngest person <laughs> that we've had.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's
0: what just turned 22, 21, 22 something like that. I think it was he, 22, yeah. Yeah, uh, principal horn of the Cleveland Orchestra. I mean that's that kind of re- that was ridiculous. He's um excellent guest. Then it was Lisa Dempsey Kane who just happens to be my wife, but also she is the head Orchestra librarian, principal orchestra librarian of the Juilliard School.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. That was one of my personal favorites. Um, not just because I love Lisa too, but because uh, I learned a lot about that audition process and yeah. um, you know, and some of the things that they do that I had no idea was part of a librarian's purview.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I still don't know half of the stuff. I remember we—I was talking with somebody. Uh, just the other day about, like, something about rights. You know, nowadays it's all about, like, because of there's so much streaming and stuff, that you have to get all these different permissions and things like that. Well, for example, so my quartet just played a concert, my string quartet, South Beach Chamber Ensemble, and we did a, a live stream concert. It was, so it was called Black Voices, an evening of music and thought, and we had two people doing poetry, spoken word. And the idea was to do the spoken word over the music while we were playing. We did... Four composers, four black composers, and uh, one of them, uh, Jesse Montgomery. We've talked about Jesse Montgomery in one of our previous episodes about a woman composer. She's amazing. She wrote this piece called Strum, very cool piece. If you don't know it, check it out. It's it's awesome. So we were playing that, and and we were going to have the the poet do the spoken word over it, but. I was talking to my wife about it and she's like, you can't do that. Like, did you get, she goes, did you get permission? And I was like, "No permission for what? We can do whatever we want. She's like, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and you would think as being married to a librarian, I should know these things, but I had no idea. So anyway, we tried to get permission and it was just, it was only like a few days before the concert and it wasn't enough time. However, Darius uh, Daltrey is, is the, the, the poet. He actually made an MP3 of it. And I think, he he was like maybe I might reach out to her because it was really cool. It sounded awesome, and I definitely think that it could be incorporated if she ever were to give permission for this. But very awesome. Or she could just sue you, and she has the proof if you send her the MP3. We didn't do. It. We've got a recording of it. So oh, you didn't do it live. We did Well, we 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 what we did was we just played the music, and then so in between the pieces they did the poetry. Oh, smart! Look at you guys. Totally legal. Yep. It was a good concert, man. That was it was powerful. The, the 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 poetry that they did. Allison Multy was the other one. It was hosted by um, Nicole Henry, who is a Grammy award winning um, yeah singer. I Nicole, yeah, um, yeah. Miami, a Miami girl. Um, she she was in the play with Lindsay that got shut
1: down right as they were about to open at Miami New Drama. Oh, really? It's called A Wonderful World. Yeah, the no, Louis Armstrong awesome. musical. I had
0: never met her before, and I just met her that night. She was great. She went to UM. Oh really? Yeah. When we were there? No. Yeah, she's she's too young. She's younger than we are, I would imagine. She looked that she was young. She looked she looked great. Um, yeah, she was fantastic. But anyway, their their uh, their spoken word, their poetry was unbelievable. If you ever wanted, if you wanted to listen to this, you can go on Facebook, South Beach Chamber Ensemble. It's still up. Don't necessarily listen to the music because. <laughs> it was, uh, the quartet was fine, It was the mix was not so great, but the poetry itself, their spoken word was so powerful. It was unbelievable. Um,
1: so JT would like you to go fire up the video, and yeah. as long as there's music playing, just keep that volume thing all the way to the left, and then slide <laughs> it up when it looks like someone's doing poems.
0: Anyway, moving on to our guests... <laughs> Um, so who was next? so we had we had Lisa Yes, and then, and then it was Billy, and then it was Billy. yeah, Billy Hunter, man, p- principal uh, trumpet of the Met. great conversation with him. Amazing conversation with him, and I feel so terrible for the Met musicians right now. They are struggling it's oh. it's been really hard they're they're not back. they don't it's it's been a battle between them and their uh, administration and, and trying to find um, when they will be back. I, I my heart goes out to them I hope I hope they're all doing well. Yeah, and it's going
1: to get worse before it gets better for them because did you see about the stagehands at the Met? This uh, is yeah. something I wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah, let's put a pin in that. I hate that phrase, but... <laughs> but I want to talk about that because I yeah. learned
1: some stuff about that too that's mind-bending.
0: Okay. Yeah, all right. So we had uh, it was Billy Hunter. Um, who was next? Was it... It was us. It was us. Yeah, we were next after Billy. Oh, my God. That was probably... That was our intermission. He, that was our intermission, and then, uh, was it Stephen? Yeah, Stephen meckel, who I like to pronounce it Merkel, but apparently I've been wrong for the, all the time. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I love you so much, man. <laughs> Here I was trying to be like all like sophisticated, and he's like, "Yeah, no, no." Um, that was great for me. It was also very interesting to learn from Stephen about being a being a concert master, and you know, you you see it, and you you can appreciate it, but just knowing like all the other added things that go into it. Um, and it's also very interesting now. I was talking with, um, we just did a audition training seminar at New World Symphony, and we had some amazing coaches. Um, and I was talking with Aaron Keefe, who is the uh, the concertmaster of Minnesota Orchestra, and she was saying, she was saying how much how different it is now, especially um, when you're when now because string players they don't. They can't sit together anymore oh right you, you don't share a stand yeah so it's a lot different but it's also really it's a lot more different to lead an orchestra now uh in this time because everyone's so spread out um it was a, it was an interesting conversation That's we had we had some great coaches i was really happy um from that these coaches were were able to be there lisa kim from new york philharmonic uh nathan cole from uh, you think he's the first associate concertmaster of, of L.A. Phil. I mean, it was just like really good, really good uh, group of people. Yeah. I can go through all those later. But and that um, was all Zoom? Yeah, it was all on Zoom. Yep. The fellows had to record an audition list and send it, and then the coaches had to listen and, and critique and then send back the notes, and then they, they, they go through the notes during their lesson the next oh, day. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And That's we yeah you know, we wrap it up with like a, a Q&A uh, discussion. Um, which, which is really great. Cause these, these coaches have a lot of, a lot of wisdom that, um, it was it for me, even it's just, it's fascinating to listen to them, like talk about, you know, their you know, like when they, when they, you know, screwed the pooch on one audition and how they like, how they learn from it and how they get back up and, and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. All right. So we, we had Steven and then, and then it was, um, Ryan, right? Yep. Ryan Roberts, who uh, also one of, one of our, our probably youngest, right around that age, 21, 22. Ryan is their English horn player of New York Philharmonic. Awesome uh, oboe and English horn player. Also a, um, an alum of New World Symphony. Billy was an, Billy's an alum of New World Symphony too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Should point that out. Then Andrew Brady, principal bassoon of Atlanta Symphony. Andrew is not a New World Symphony alum, but I've hired Andrew to be a coach uh, at New World. That was a really good interview too, because that was right around the time that that article had come out. Yeah, uh, about screens being up, um, etc. That can I just say?
1: Uh, I don't know if Andrew's listening to this. I I clicked on. I follow him now on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There was some performance that he did where he was on there. I almost wanted to quit the bassoon after <laughs> I heard what he sounded like. He's kind of a beast. <laughs> I said, "Holy crap!" Yeah, especially now because I haven't really been playing, and I heard I heard that, and I was like, "Oh, forget it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a young man's game." <laughs> yeah, Andrew is an awesome guy. Um, we was I was really really happy that that he decided to to join us. Um, yeah, what a beautiful player too. Yeah, check him out for sure. And then we we had Natsuki. Natsuki Kumagai from Minnesota uh, Orchestra, violinist, New World Symphony alum who loves a good juicy burger, Juicy Lucy. And right. uh, I think, yeah, she was, she, <laughs> Natsuki holds the uh, the most F bombs on the show. And I think that is, that is a very, uh, uh, I think we should have a, give her the uh, some sort of award. Well, you know, and the,
1: yes, she should get an award, but also I wanted to say in her defense, not that she needs my defense, but the F-bomb was in the context of a really cool story yeah. too. <laughs> so it wasn't even like it was just gratuitous profanity. It it was actually part of the the story, which I thought was yeah, amazing. Definitely. So yeah, that's episode 11.
0: If you want to check that out, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of them. Listen to all of them. They're so good. These people are just so I mean they're just so good, like they're not only are they like amazing at their at their instrument at their what they do, the amount of time that they put in, but they're just awesome people, I mean, yeah, and go figure they're articulate, can you imagine I know for people that spend that much time in a practice room, you would think that they wouldn't have very much of a vocabulary, but uh, yeah, I
1: can't even order coffee <laughs> in the morning like without stepping all over my words. <laughs>
0: What's your uh, name? Oh, uh, uh. all right. And then yeah, and then we had John Wilson, keyboardist. Kind of fascinating to me because I'd never I had never done like a uh, like a keyboard audition, so I was kind of fascinated that him talking about the you know that the, he had the, the piano, the the celeste, and the harpsichord all up on stage. But it wasn't even so much all of that, but it was just the amount of knowledge that he had for. The patches that he puts in for keyboards, like the sounds, yes. the different kind of sounds that he that that he's created his own, um, and makes him incredibly marketable. I think so too. And in, in, in this day and age, you know, more so now with the music that's coming out now is is a lot of different electronics and and things like that. I think it's cool, mm-hmm. very cool. Um, we followed John with Emma Gerstein, um, second flute of Chicago Symphony. Actually, so John and Emma were, were New World alums. Emma had a very cool story uh ending up in her hometown orchestra after going across the world and playing in, in, in New Zealand, the Auckland uh Philharmonia, I think it was. Pretty amazing that she was able to get back home and play in that orchestra, like arguably one of the greatest United or- United States orchestras or uh, orchestras in the world. I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then we ended the season with Eric Ripple who also again another new World symphony alum you can see there's the theme here but he also ended up in his hometown orchestra of the Minnesota Orchestra principal timpani there his story about auditions that i think it inspired me m- most of just about resilience about taking auditions coming back from a you know like just heavy losses but getting back up and keeping keeping going that that was definitely listen i i recommend yeah i mean i recommend listening to all of them but eric had a very cool story um so yeah check that out that was so how many episodes was that 14 including yeah including us Yeah, 12
1: guests one with us and one double yeah. episode so also if you have listened to Someone or you know all of our podcasts Um reach out to ha- to us and let us know what you thought worked and maybe if you thought something that JT did didn't work <laughs> <laughs> definitely yes let please know. let me know let him
0: know yeah yeah like like let me know like JT's voice annoys me so much yeah like Little if things. you want us to switch roles that would be and then edit, JT yeah. could do the post <laughs> and I could do.
1: You know the interview,
0: they would never see it though because I don't know what I'm doing. You're you know about this stuff, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, no, I don't want to be the host. I actually really like what we're doing as far as going back and forth talking to our guests because for me, just alone, it's one thing, it would be fine, but I think it adds definitely a, a better element because there are questions that I can't, you know, I don't think of, so it, it really helps. But I, yeah, so. We want to thank all of our guests for being here, but I also wanted to thank all of everybody listening, because um, I think we've gotten a pretty good following, uh, which is for for such a niche kind of topic about auditions. It's been really, actually, we've gotten a lot of really good, um, a lot of good listeners. I've gotten, I've had people tell me how much they enjoy these. Um, I shared with you, we had Jenny uh, Kozaros from, who is, I think, our if I'm getting this wrong, I'm sorry, Jenny. But she's like artistic director of, of Brevard, Brevard um, um, the summer festival, the summer right? festival. Yeah, and she she shared our our behind the screen on their on the Brevard's website. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, that was you, awesome. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny and I go way way back. I was th- so yeah, Jenny. If you're listening, Matt Corey was actually at Aspen with us that summer back in 1992. Wild. Yep. Again, I was five. In '92, yeah. So you were of. five, and you were about to have a child. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. I do. Yeah. Shout out to my kids, Isabel and Amanda. Love you, girls. Do they listen? Uh, they do. Yeah. Isabel. Um, Isabel was take. She took a road trip um, with her partner, and um, was, I just saw her in, in North Carolina, and she said that she was she was listening on on the on the oh, drive. I don't know if Amanda God. does. Amanda's just turned seventeen and she lives in um Australia, Melbourne, Australia. So I don't know if she listens or not. I should ask her. I remember little Isabel when she was just a a pup. Yep, Isabel was Isabel was born in I was 20 years old uh, halfway through my junior year of my undergraduate degree when when Isabel was born and Isabel was was the school mascot. I was a very small conservatory which now It used to be the Herod Conservatory. It's now the uh, School of Music at Lynn University or something like that. Um, Yeah. Do they still use the Herod name at all? Nope. They don't? They don't, but... Yeah, um, then it's
1: the conservatory music at Lynn.
0: Right. But yeah, so I used to go and basically would hand off Isabel to anyone that was available while I went and took a lesson or had a class or something (laughs) like that. Take my child, I got to go. Um, yeah i remember her when she was a little older like when she was four and five yeah yeah by the time uh, yeah because when we met it was at U university of miami yeah so yeah isabel was was a couple of years older amazing my girls so hey so i want to ask you though real quick um we now we know that my mother listens oh yeah you did you say that your mom listens yeah she
1: listens okay all right she and my dad both listened, but they confessed that they hadn't caught up yet. <laughs> I think they're, I
0: think they're only like halfway through the season. Well, I think I think my mom is kind of the same. I think she she tries to tries to keep up, but it's you know, it's hard.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you know they they started at the beginning, so they're taking them in, in order. Yeah. So I I do think that we kind of hit our stride. You know, as the season went on. Not that the early ones were bad by any stretch, but the you know, the, it was a good level all season. So I'm I'm happy that they're listening to all of yeah. them and
0: they're not just like skipping around. <laughs> I asked my dad, my real dad, um, my father, who uh I asked him, I was like, Oh hey, you know, have you you guys been listening to my the podcast that I'm doing? He's like, Yeah, I'm not really into podcasts. <laughs> 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 I was like, what? What the hell, man? I don't care if you're not into him or not.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. That's funny. You know, that reminds me of a story that my dad told me. My dad's an actor. I can't remember if it was what the show was, but he um, called his dad, who at the time was much older, and said, hey, I'm going to be on this TV show on Thursday night or whatever, and told him what channel. and kind of got met with like sort of a an awkward silence on the other end and then my grandfather goes
0: well i think we watch uh jag that night (laughs) you gotta you gotta love the people that are so like in their routine they're like yeah sorry son yeah (laughs) sorry jags well you know i mean this was before dbr right I don't think so, oh. but <laughs>
1: no, it was always something like that. With uh, you know, and anytime my dad was in a movie, or oh, we don't get to the movies much. <laughs> no, but your son's in a movie yeah. <laughs> with Robert De Niro.
0: Yes, that was a good. But movie. Uh, when I was in uh, in high school, my stepdad, I was sitting there and I was like, "Hey, are you uh you gonna come to my my concert tonight?" You know, I got. Got a big concert, whatever, doing a whatever solo. And he's like, what the hell am I going to go to your concert for? I hear you practicing here every goddamn day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, well, I, th-
1: I feel good that we got, got all that out. Yeah,
0: now I feel much better. This is awesome. This is a good therapy session.
1: <laughs> so let's go back to the pin real quick. Yes. So the Met staff the stagehands were starting to get locked out right. and that just can only mean one thing that the musicians are probably next on the hit list i guess the new york phil agreed to a pay cut
0: yeah like a for over four years
1: yeah a big mm-hmm. 25 or 30 yeah. percent chunk on that very same day that's when the uh stagehands got locked out of the met so that hmm. probably is a bad sign for the musicians they're going to probably be asked to to do a reopener and when they do come back to take a big cut
0: uh, it's i don't know it's a tough world for them right now uh, they're 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 definitely struggling i mean the metropolitan o- opera is is what it's got the like the highest budget of any yeah any organization right any any art An organization incredible or like budget that.
1: yeah it's but <laughs> Here's what I learned inadvertently about this. So I I was going looking for musician news, and then I see in this article something that caught my eye because it was a salary. (laughs) Full-time stagehands earned an average of $260,000 in 2019, according to the Met.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, good negotiations, right? I mean, well, uh, all yeah, right. So either either really good negotiation on the stagehands, the union for negotiating that money, or really bad negotiation on the administration, administration part for agreeing to that. So that's what I thought too. And so now I'm like, I'm
1: thinking, I can't be the only one that thinks this is an astronomical number for a stagehand. So I go to the comments mm-hmm. and I flick through the comments and I see someone said, roll in overtime and any seniority and the take home pay can go a lot higher than 260. Last I checked, the top Carnegie Hall stagehands bring in around 400,000. Wow. The benefits of having a powerful union on your side. Yep. So of course that's IATSE, which is a very powerful union, but holy cow. Yeah. Maybe the the negotiation wasn't even that bad for the met. They if they're getting the <laughs> a hundred and forty thousand
0: dollar discount on their stage hands (laughs) maybe you're right goodness gracious maybe it's maybe it's time to look into being a stage hand to be fair
1: i'm from what i know of that profession it's a lot of manual labor and it's super long hours like we're talking some days you know if they're putting a show up or taking a show down it could be a 16 hour day 17 hour day whatever it is but they're not doing that for fun.
0: I mean, they're they're getting rich. And you gotta wonder, though, also, like if you think about a, a a professional athlete, they get they get paid a lot of money because their their lifespan in in the profession is limited, right? There you go. So yeah, I wonder if that's part of it. If if you because know, because it's I, such a physical because job. Because it's such a physical job, there are probably you, you making sure. Like I'm sure they're getting hurt. They can. It's there's a lot of injuries, and it's it just your body wears down. So, I'm wondering if that's part of it. I don't know. If we're too old or we're not fit enough, but <laughs> we should look into
1: this. Man, I'm going to start doing my sit ups again. Just I mean, you can talk ahead. about quality of life all you want and cost of living in New York, but 260, I'll, I'll make it work.
0: It's not that expensive to live in New York.
1: It's not no. San Francisco. I think San Francisco is worse. Give me 250, 260. I'll make it work in San Francisco too.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I had one more thing that I found when I was over there. I should have researched how to pronounce her name. Uh, The German coloratura soprano Simone Kermes? Kermes? Oh, my God. Kermes? Kermes? Kerms. Let's say Kermes (laughs) has abandoned record labels and shifted her output to Bandcamp, which is a streaming service. And she went on to make a statement against Sony Classical. And tell me if this strikes you as funny in any certain way. And then I'll say why it struck me a certain way. I had an exclusive contract for ten years. The record company pays the recording and you get a small fee. You have to recoup the album costs through sales. Only then do you earn a small share. So if an album doesn't sell extremely well, you see nothing. With the record company, I did everything myself. Ideas, song selection, cover. I also wrote the booklet. I was exhausted and it was never paid for. I got a promotion agency that was paid every month. I considered doing Eternity again through the record company. But that was the name of the album, but the offer was too poor. I wouldn't even have gotten my money back. So I said, I'll try it myself. And that's how you keep the rights to your recordings. Okay. Do you feel like this rant would have probably been a little more provocative like in 2002 or 2003? Like the, the music industry changed a long time mm. ago and it just seems kind of funny that suddenly this is a bad deal for her. Like this is, this has been the case ever since the, you know, the internet started distributing music. Oh yeah. Yeah. That whole label model is, it sucked back when it was good (laughs) for the artist. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, if you even have a label deal, you're kind of lucky because they pay for the recording at least.
0: So the whole idea of paying, because you're paying somebody and, and many people to do the work for you. So you don't have to deal with that. I and mean, that's right. the whole idea, right? Like, but if she's going to try and take it on herself.
1: Yeah, then she's going to realize a, a how much that costs uh-huh. to come out of pocket to do a recording. Y- yeah. And the, just the amount of time. The high end classical stuff is much different than making like a rap album in a basement yeah. in terms of, you know, what's needed to make that right. a, a legitimate thing and not just, you know, a crappy recording. So I just was shocked that. That this was something that was suddenly surprising to anybody about the music business.
0: Yeah, that that's, that is surprising to me, yeah.
1: Especially cl- in classical, too. I mean, Sony Classical, they must dump a ton of money into the recording process for that stuff. For sure. And she was exhausted, too, after writing that booklet. <laughs> it's funny, because I'm sure that there's a translation thing that's happening there, and I'm sure that it wasn't correlated to the exhaustion was not correlated to writing the booklet, but that was the quote. And then the Philly orchestra, they're just going to remain virtual only until June, which is, you know, probably obvious, but they have a platform that they developed called digital stage. Mm. And I was just curious. I, I was thinking about like buying a ticket just so I could see the, the platform, because if they've, developed something that's good you'd think maybe they could license that to other organizations that are trying to perform virtually they could at least recoup some of the development cost
0: so it's it's their their own i think so
1: yeah because i looked i, I googled digital stage to see if that was a like a new product mm-hmm. and i couldn't find anything
0: because we do new World symphony does um we uh do our streaming through idagio which is kind of, Oh, okay. Yeah, which is, um, I think, I it's fairly new, and I think it's based in Europe. But, I, I anyway, whenever we um, do any sort of streaming, it it goes through them. Oh, I'm gonna look into. Yeah, that. it's it's actually really good. So, um, I'm wondering if it's something if it's something like that through through Philly, like they have a contract with them or something like that. Hmm. Um, a lot of orchestras are are uh, still not playing. And a lot of them are trying to do a lot, you know, kind of creative things and doing a lot of live streams and, and things like that, playing um, without an audience. Um, but so in this, what I mentioned earlier, we did this um, audition training seminar, and we had a lot of, of these coaches from all over these different orchestras. And uh, for example, Houston Symphony, we had um, the acting uh, principal violist there, uh, Joan Der Hofsepien, um who actually jo- I think Joan listens. hey Joan I think Joan listens to our podcast she's she's mentioned to me how much she enjoys it so shout out to Joan she's what's up Joan she's amazing like literally like one of the greatest people I I think we've I've ever brought in as a coach not no offense to all the other coaches but I love Joan she was saying that Houston Symphony is doing concerts with an audience they have like kind of like a big I don't know if they rent it or if it's their own I'm I'm, I'm assuming that it's kind of like a a performing arts theater like a like our center that we have here a lot of seats but they're 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 doing concerts with up to 350 people they're playing for them and they've been doing it since like um they i think they she said that they started doing concerts uh in june and now you know, like progressively it started to increase the amount of people that have been in the hall but yeah they're they're playing wow the boston symphony is doing not they're they're doing concerts but not for audience, they're live streaming concerts, but they're they're playing with people like up to 60 people on stage. Oh man. Which that's the largest I've, I've heard of. Yeah. But they get tested like two, three times a week.
1: You know, I was going to mention that when we were talking about that thing I worked on down in Miami yeah. beach before the first week with the actors, we each had to get three tests and then two tests a week for the next three weeks. Oh, wow. So I think I had like Five, seven, nine. I had nine total. Was
0: it like the full PCR test or was it a rapid? Yeah. Yeah, the one where they,
1: they get go a little piece of your brain.
0: Oh, my God. Did they yeah, have was, people go, come to you?
1: Or you had to go. The first week, we had uh, to go to a place that they arranged. And we only in Miami Beach is there a such thing as a VIP at the, <laughs> the clinic. So you just tell them that you were there with the theater group and they sped you to the front of the line. But then they brought in the testing for the the remaining three weeks and they're that's still ongoing and they do that uh twice a week at the colony
0: yeah well but then there are orchestras like uh like the met and i think like um la phil isn't really doing much they they, they did some hollywood bowl stuff you know outdoors you know but Mm -hmm. uh, they're not it's so it's I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully there's, there'll be the, the, the vaccine will come and everybody will, will go back to, to doing what we, what we were meant to do. So, tell, talk about a little bit more. So, what was this you were doing on Lincoln Road? Yes.
1: It's a theater group called Miami New Drama. They operate out of the Colony Theater and they commissioned seven 10 minute plays from seven pretty well known playwrights.
0: Mm-hmm. Local playwrights? Mm, no.
1: Nilo Cruz, uh, Moises Kaufman, who wrote uh, the Laramie Project, each of them was assigned one of the seven deadly sins, and each play, you know, deals with them some more directly than others. You know, with lust and greed yeah. and envy and gluttony and that group of sins, and each of the plays is set up in a storefront, a vacant storefront, and one block of Lincoln Road. that's cool. So it's that block between the Colony and Alton Road. Yeah. You know, where the Nespresso building used to be. Right, right,
0: right. Yeah, basically at the very end. Yes. There's now
1: six of those storefronts have been converted into playing areas for actors. And the actors are inside. Mm -hmm. The audience is outside. We pipe the sound out. And then the seventh play is in the loading dock of the Colony. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. And that has a classical music theme
0: what's your favorite deadly sin
1: probably gluttony yes i think i like gluttony too because yeah, yeah i yeah i'm trying to what are th- <laughs> i don't know that i suffer from that but
0: i think yeah i probably do more than the others so gluttony is too, too much, much right thing. like yeah like yeah yeah excess i think that's probably mine too because i tend to when i like something i tend to overdo it what so yeah, what are the so other it, ones wait, wait, so let,
1: let's name these the deadly sins uh okay so start with envy okay yeah then you go to lust greed gluttony
0: pride sloth and wrath there you go man good job i'm impressed i wouldn't have gotten them all i so yeah it's all i've been thinking about for the last (laughs) six weeks so so you did the sound for all of these i did for every single one
1: yeah so typically when you do a play you you do effects for one play. These plays are all happening simultaneously.
0: Yeah. How does that work? Like, how do you like uh, you 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 got to have help. You got to have a lot of help.
1: Yeah. So I designed them all, and each play because they're running simultaneously. Each play is running off the sound design is running off an iPad, mm-hmm. and there's a program called Go Button. Okay. That's uh, much like QLab only for uh, iOS devices. So we rented ten iPads for this and um, we're running the sound for each one off a off a go button installed on iPad it goes to a mixer and then the microphones go to the mixer and then the output of all of that gets mixed and mm-hmm. sent back outside wirelessly to the to the audience
0: okay right, so so do you have to have a person you have do you have to have 7 people like operating yeah being yes. in each one which so are we, do you do one of them no No, you
1: don't. Okay, but the operators also do the lighting, the light cues as well, Mm -hmm. because there's lighting for each of the plays. And when the audience shifts from play to play, that person sanitizes the chairs and also the little receiver that you plug your headphones into.
0: So these are people that have knowledge about about lighting, about sound, and things like that.
1: Uh, these are mostly operators. So they, they probably have a general theater knowledge because they're like, they would uh, be like stagehands. So That's what I
0: was, yeah. So would you call them a stagehand?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even want to know what they're making. They're probably <laughs> making more than
0: me. Well, they might be. <laughs> After what we've learned today, they might actually be making They probably whatever. all live on Star Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's something to consider because- Again, you know, you you don't think about this like th- it's not just picking up chairs and moving things and it's, it's, and doing, you know, setting, uh, creating a stage or, or anything like that. But it's also the knowledge. It's it's lighting. It's 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 wiring. It's sound. It's you know. Right, and they, they do you know
1: often have specialties. You specialties, have like yeah. the carpenters right. and the electricians, and then the the fly operators, which you know I imagine at the Met, that's a pretty. Yeah, substantial thing is the fly system and you know if you if you're not on top of your game you could kill someone if you mess that up so
0: yeah but yeah i mean look at like like you said like the carpenters though they're the ones they're you know making these sets you know and then then you have the costume people that are making and then, then the wig people they're like the whole wig team oh my gosh yeah you know when the pandemic
1: started the met was giving away you know free opera Yes, I don't know yeah, if you saw that, yeah. but they had like a, a stretch where they streamed every night. And that Met HD series, you can't have a crappy costume. You blow the whole <laughs> illusion. There, those cameras are right up in their face. And, and so they're the really makeup, high def. the wigs. Yeah, super high def. They better
0: look good. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I don't know if they have this, they might, but we uh New World Symphony has 4K cameras. Yeah it's like the sharpest image and it's so crazy and i tell i tell the fellas like be careful like what you write in your music because when we do wall casts and they have like it's a, it's a seven story you know and they they zoom in on your music if you say like you know like i hate this person or whatever it is you know like you know this you yeah. know slow the f down here yeah like, like be careful what you say it's kind of but it's true cuz They're going to pick it up. People are going to pick it up for sure. 4K
1: kind of changed everything. Like even high def doesn't look high def next to a 4K picture. And now there's 8K starting to come in. So oh
0: really? Yeah. It looks like new world's smaller and smaller pixels. New world's going to get an upgrade soon, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I think the 4K will be fine. It's so good. It's really good. Um, Fortunately, I'm not on it. See, we're we're just
1: looking at 1080p. And like I'm, I'm noticing like I have this little splotch on my eyebrow here. Yeah, what happened there? I don't know. Did you get
0: punched? It's not that bad. Well, I mean, I'm gonna look at you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Turn off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we. So that concert I was telling you about, what we were talking about, like it's, uh, they had these like super, you know, they've they they got to light it, you know, it's got to be really well lit and. Man, my head lets out such a glare. Oh yeah, I bet it does. Oh, Darius and, and Allison that were reading, they had a nice backlit to see their their mm. their uh, score because of my head. It was crazy. Did they powder
1: you up at all? Like to try I asked. and take- <laughs>
0: I guess I like Let's to say,
1: take that down a notch. Anybody got
0: some powder here? There was no <laughs>
1: like come on. there's not enough powder in Miami. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hook a viola up with the powder, man.
1: <laughs> there wasn't enough powder in Miami in the eighties to take care of that head.
0: We could go ahead and cut that. Let's go ahead and edit that part there. All right. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap this up anyway. All right. Well look, it was great to talk to you. It was an amazing You too, man. An amazing uh, season, you know, with all of our guests. Thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for supporting behind the screen, taking interest in in the audition process, in the you know what our guests have gone through, <laughs> what a lot of people are going through, as far as taking uh, an audition. It's it's not an easy thing. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating um, part of, of our industry, and the people that are doing it and have done it are just amazing keep tuning in we'll be back with behind the screen after the new year and again thanks to matt for being the best producer a guy could hope for Oh, you are so welcome (laughs) oh he's shy we'll see you guys soon we'll let you know when we're coming out again have a great holiday happy new year and uh stay safe wear a mask